0: and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter, at Lal Jeremy, or check out my website, jeremylalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like this show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show... Check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 222, and today I'm joined by writer Mike McFadden, who is known most recently for the sitcom Jan, as well as Mark Weingust, the editor of my new favorite film magazine, Layered Butter. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we are sitting down to watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I am Jeremy, and I have seen this film, but not in a really, really long time. And I've got a, a swarm of guests with me tonight, so I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves one by one. So I've got Mike. I'm Mike, and I have not seen this
1: movie, and some of my friends are still surprised by that information.
0: Uh, we've got Jackie.
2: Hello. Um I'm excited, I, I have not seen this movie either. I feel like it's one of those movies where I, I feel like I've seen clips of it at some point, you know, because it's so famous, but it, I, don't, I couldn't like bring up a thought about even what it's about.
0: And last but not least, we have
3: Mark. And my name is Mark. I have not seen this film. It is also one that has eluded me, same as Jackie, where I feel like I've just known it through osmosis, but I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> It's
0: definitely one of those like pop culture films where once you watch it, you like a lot of Simpsons jokes will start to make sense or just <laughs> why, which is why I say through osmosis.
2: That's like yeah. Casablanca.
0: Yeah. And, exactly. I'm sure, and I'm sure like a lot of you'll see a lot of images and be like, oh, that's what this is from. Um, so, yeah. I saw the Wizard
1: of Oz very late in life and it was like every fifth line of dialogue was a reference to oh, something. Hold on. Hold on. How,
3: how How late in life are we talking? Oh, like mid 30s. Hey, Wait, we how did, do you go through your mid thirties without seeing Wizard of Oz? We did Wizard of Oz
0: for the podcast. <laughs> as when I, I think there was the hundredth episode, and there, we had a couple people here to do it. So really, I, I don't.
2: I've seen it, but I feel like you know, as a musical theater person, it's unavoidable. But if you weren't necessarily into musicals, you, maybe you wouldn't.
1: I, I mean, I grew up in the least musical theater household you could imagine, so that's par- probably part of it.
3: Yeah, so my, my what kind mom of day. movies where you? i was gonna ask like what kind of movies were you then more introduced to uh as i mean
1: just i I don't know i feel like it was just like whatever was on tv and you know i mean i feel like this movie was out kind of came out in like the the dawn of the vhs era and it was definitely Mm. the kind of thing that there's no way my family would have allowed like through the door just because of the uh you know it's like i mean whether it is or not i think it's got the reputation for being like a, a sex comedy which is just like not that's not But
2: wizard of oz or this
0: <laughs> oh this one this one
3: <laughs> Right. I, I, I was confused for a second but then
0: yeah i like where this is going that would be the a very unfortunate sex comedy she's with three three creatures uh, uh in the Both
3: woods of which are not male <laughs> yeah (laughs) so uh human -human, non-human worst
2: worst sex comedy of all time
3: yeah very unfortunate for her A sex tragedy
2: (laughs) sex tragedy for me the movie that was oh this is where everything came from was casablanca because every line in that movie feels like a cliche but then you're like no 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 this was the first time it was said
0: yeah it's a cliche because of this 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 is the point of reference
2: so what i'm getting is this movie might be similar a similar experience
0: yeah it's funny when people go back like if you go back and you look at something like you know star wars or or older movies that kind of like build something they're like oh this feels like it's just full of tropes and it's like yeah but this created the tropes that you've seen all the imitations for same as like early rom-coms right you look at these those movies uh, and this is one of this is one of those like what year is this 82 or is it you know 85
3: 82
0: like i'm looking i'm looking at the it it is 82 look at me boom uh so this is like very early coming of age 80s movie so this is like one of those movies that doesn't even feel like it's of the 80s because i think 80s movies and particularly 80s comedies get such um you know get kind of grilled because they they fall into such like I think most 80s movies are considered bad and cheesy because of, you know, certain things of the era. But the nice thing is this is because it's coming out of like the end of the 70s. I feel like this one dances past that a little bit.
2: I find a lot of 80s movies to cross so many lines that are now no longer acceptable.
0: Yeah. And that'll be an interesting conversation after this, because there's definitely I mean, what's interesting without spoiling anything. Uh, what's cool about this one is that it's directed by Amy Heckerling, who um, I don't know if you know who Amy Heckerling is, but she directed other movies like Heather's and um, and is one of like you know the forefathers of like bigger female directors. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a of forefather
2: of female directors.
0: Well, the forefathers <laughs> of just you know, I meant like more of the forefather. Yeah, that's a funny way. Like, 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 like a a contemporary. <laughs> yeah. No, but she was definitely in. It, it, especially and, it's, and this wasn't necessarily considered a studio movie although no I guess it was like it was it was it was on the lot and it all is, that kind
3: it's of stuff. uh what was it universal yeah. yeah universal but anyway
0: but um but it'll be interesting to see how that is because I was, I've been re- i was just curious myself so I was diving into some stuff and some of like just the press around this movie and even some interviews that were done lately about it uh and and there's a lot of def- interesting defense about certain aspects of this movie because they, they say they still stack up because it's through the female gaze. So I'd be curious mm. to see how that conversation goes and, and how people feel about that. But, uh, but what what do you three know about the movie
3: before we jump into it? Other without, than, spoiling anything,
0: without spoiling anything.
3: Without spoiling anything, there's only maybe two things I know. One is just like the DVD cover of Sean Penn just looking tanned as ever on that. And... And of course what everybody talks about Phoebe Cates, just that one scene, which I don't want to get into right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Mike. Yeah. I mean, I know
1: uh, it's Sean Penn is the character named Spicoli. I mean, kind of feels like it, that's his, uh, I don't know. It was, was Keanu Reeves, Bill or Ted. I actually can't remember, but it's like that Ted. kind of a, he was Ted. So it's like that kind of like intro, uh, you know, like a, uh, a a very good actors first the first time we're seeing them and it's like a you know a a, a sort of a brainless role but they're kind of always associated with it yeah i know i know that i know about the phoebe kate scene and that and i think isn't the guy the guy (laughs) i swear i'm not 75 years old the guy from my favorite martian is in this movie as well yep the guy yeah that he was plays, the show that was on when I got home from school. Okay, not right. actually like an eighty-year-old man. He plays a teacher <laughs> called
0: Mr. Head. I believe okay, is the character name nice. and, ja- and Jackie?
2: Well, I, I heard on a podcast recently that it's a sex comedy.
0: Do you Do you guys know who wrote it?
3: No idea. I mean, I I, I own the Criterion, so I'm not going to spoil it because I don't want to pretend we, I'm a show off.
0: <laughs> you're gonna You're gonna find out in two minutes because you'll see the credit opening credits. It's written by Cameron Crow.
3: Yeah. Which to me I find very interesting because for me when I think Cameron Crowe, I honestly think the first thing that he did was like say anything. But
0: well, as a director, yeah, this is this as is a director a screenwriter but, because he. Well, it's also based on a book that he wrote.
3: Yeah, which to me is is also one of those things where I only found out about that maybe a couple of months ago when I picked up the Blu Ray, because it's like, wait a second, how have I not known this? This feels like a piece of film trivia. That just has eluded me for so long.
0: Anyway, so I won't I won't spoil it, but you'll uh, we we've mentioned Sean Penn, uh, so that and Phoebe Cates. But this 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 movie is kind of like the cast uh, is who is, the cast is crazy. Uh, you're going to be constantly delighted and surprised by how many recognizable people you see, and for a lot of them, this is their first movie. Mm so
1: uh we'll go through so it we, after. do we get to do that experience of seeing an a-lister with like one line <laughs>
0: uh not necessarily a-listers but a lot of like people that you'll just recognize from you know film and television of the last
3: 30 years 40 right. years 40 years now so
0: it's a, this movie is 40 years old almost
3: i was gonna say this feels like the scott oh. poker mob of its time like That's a stacked it's... cast of people that uh
0: but, that, you, know, that, you know,
3: go on to do bigger things. Yeah, but even you know, those
0: like, people had done stuff. Like, that that cast was was stacked. Yeah. With, like, it was stacked with people that were already emerging. This is, like... like the, Unknowns. Yeah, Got the it. casting agent for this movie... We, we can talk about the casting actor, because I know a couple of stories about it. But um, the casting director for this movie should have been given some kind of a weird award a decade later for just, like, discovering a crazy amount of talent. Yeah. Um, Cause that's more, this is more amazing because of that, because it is so many people's first, as opposed to, you know, Edgar Wright doing Jackie or not Jackie, uh, Scott Pilgrim with like a bunch of, pe- bunch of people that are already on the verge.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, but Perhaps I'm, they were I'm really on the verge in
2: another this. circle, like in a comedy or like improv. Or, you know what I mean? They may have been like, cause that happens too. people are sort of not in the mainstream, but they're still in a community of people who know who all the hot talent is.
0: That's what I mean. Yeah. So it was a casting director who just had their finger on the pulse of young talent. The people that were yeah. like just ready to to break. Right. That were that, that had been auditioning for a while or not. But uh, it's fascinating. Uh, all right. Well, so without further ado, because I love that you guys you guys know, like the things I expected you to know. So uh, I'm excited just to dive in and also just revisit it myself because it's been probably at least 10 years since I've watched it. So I'm excited to to revisit it myself. Okay, awesome. So we'll be right back.
2: Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
0: So we are back almost entirely. We are uh, so far missing Jackie who had to help a friend with a few auditions. So we're not sure if she's going to be joining us back up, but hopefully she will. Cause I'd love her perspective on this, but yeah, uh, without knowing how long she's going to be, we are just going to uh, plunge back in. So uh, I, uh, I have lots of thoughts and opinions and things to discuss, but I will open it
3: up. I open the floor up to you gents first I honest, I also thought that this movie was decent. Um, having not known what goes on in the film, I started noticing early on how much it has very much in common with let's say, Animal House in terms of there really is a cohesive story, but in a way it's very much in a sketchish way where it follows you know a group of people and there are shenanigans that happen throughout, but there's still like a progressive story that goes on. Um, whereas, you know, Animal House kind of deals with the shenanigans of the Deltas. Uh, this one kind of deals with the shenanigans surrounding, you know, a group of teenagers, one of them being a brother-sister, one of them being the surf slacker, other one being like uh, two best friends, that sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I was surprised that Spicoli wasn't the main character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because that's the guy I would hear about. So I figured, you know... He became he kind gonna of be, a face for the movie, right? Especially given yeah. that, like, because you know, Sean Penn came out of this and blew up and became, yeah, kind of the A-list talent out of this right away. I mean, there's he so married many. Married other- Madonna. He's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get put on like
1: the the, the revised <laughs> VHS cover. Um, and I was surprised how much of an ensemble movie. It was like, you're saying about, about animal house. I thought it was going to be like a really paint by numbers, eighties story with a main character and a best friend and a, and a antagonist and a lesson learned. And it was a lot more free form than I was expecting. And that a lot of that stuff, there's certainly stuff we can talk about throughout that I didn't think, you know, i mean you can't watch a movie that's more than five years old without noticing that it hasn't aged well in certain ways yeah but so it's sort of like it, i almost hesitate to say that but of course there's going to be stuff that that is just that really stands out as uh looking like uh definitely from another era but then the, but overall i was just i was surprised at how um how subtle a hand it had with that, with a lot of the storytelling and the and 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 the characters, even amidst really broad Stoner jokes and 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 all kinds of you know relatively broad comedy.
3: I I was su- surprised really. Which, yeah, I mean, I mean to speak on that point. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. You, no, no, go ahead. It, it just speaks on the authenticity that you really get from it because not not that there are no adults in this and it's kids being kids. But it's rather that there are things that go on that are very frank to them, that they, uh, that they like, have a code, a lingo, something to kind of deal with. Um, they don't have to go to advice to other, let's say, authority figures, or they don't really need to answer to authority figures. Like Even Spicoli rebelling against the teacher because it's just he's doing what he wants to. He's the
0: only adult character in the whole movie. We never meet their parents.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the teachers are really, yeah. The only adults at all. He, he's the uh, only that's, rep- but,
1: go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I hadn't noticed that, but that really, that really does stand out. They
0: never once go to an adult for advice. No one no. does. Uh, just so just an update, Jackie, it looks like will not be joining us. She, um, she got stuck in audition world with friends. So. Um, ah, too bad. But, no, but coming back. I mean, I think that what what attracted Hecker Lane to the project. this was her first feature film. Uh, and what attracted her to the project
3: was that it was so free form.
0: Uh do you do you want to know who uh they first offered the movie to to direct?
3: I I quickly glance at the essay and criterion booklets, no, so okay, I will see, let no. you reveal it. I'll let you reveal it because it actually seems quite funny knowing what's going on. It's no, it David doesn't. David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> but, he but turns you, down Return of the Jedi. He turns down this. What does this man turn down except Dune? <laughs>
0: That's just it. It's like, it's, but at the same time, David Lynch should 100% turn this movie down. Can you imagine the David Lynch version of this movie? No,
3: because that's (laughs) Twin Peaks.
0: Yeah. But, um, to to Mike's point, like, I think it's interesting, like, what I thought was really fascinating about watching the movie this time around, first of all, I, uh, we'll we'll get in, I I almost said, I'll get to that later. But, like stuff like in the very first five minutes, like some kid when they're, when they first get to school, it's like the first day of a new school year and some kid slaps another kid in the back with a sign. I think it says something like I'm a homo or something like that. Right? Yeah. Yes. I so was that, kind of taken aback
3: by that thinking, but, oh. but
0: here's the thing that to keep in mind that I think I look at that. And here's the thing. There are so many movies where mm-hmm. of that, of this era where that kind of thing gets played for a joke it's not played for a joke in this movie. It's played for an observational slice of life moment. That's the kind of shit that happened then,
2: right? The movie is not,
0: it's not making a joke out of it. It's not condemning it. It's just saying, this is what is. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think this movie holds up exceptionally well. It's not trying to make a joke out of any of these characters. It's not really trying to make any of them tropes. It's just, it's like a slice of life capturing of 1980s, you know, high school life. And I think because of that, it's hard to say whether or not it ages well or not, because it doesn't have to age well, because it's not trying to be anything other than a time capsule of what it is. So you're going to get guys, you know, with girls pinned up in their lockers saying inappropriate things and kissing them and that kind of shit. But that's how guys were, you know, the the movie is not judging them. And, and, and it's not judging any of the characters or we can get into like the whole, Jennifer Jason Lee uh, story when we, you know, further on, but I think that's what the movie does
3: exceptionally well for a movie of its time. Yeah. But here's the thing. You're also expecting audiences to realize that it's not a joke. It's rather a, um, you know, a commentary or just even an observation Like to me, if I would have seen this in my early teens, I'm pretty sure that like a group of friends I would have been with may have laughed at that joke. But even so, like I know nowadays that, you know, there are certain films where it's just these are films of their time. And if anything, seeing the authenticity of this film, you take an instance like that and you see this is what things, you know, just were back then, not just in California. It was just like a mainstream thing within North American culture.
0: Yeah. But if you look at it, especially if you look at like this is almost like I'd have to I have to do a deeper dive to, to make sure my history is correct, but this is kind of the the birth or at least one of the early births of the teen comedy, right? Like Pork- yeah. Porky's is the year before this, right? Which is yes. like right. the epitome of sex comedy and was a huge hit, but like, you know, John Hughes movies are still a few years away, you know? So it's yeah. like he, and on what year was animal house?
3: 77 or oh, 78. Okay.
0: So yeah. So- so that, that's the college version so the college frat movie um uh is pretty so it's in that range right but it's it's definitely like one of the you know the forebearers of this kind of movie where later on like these kind of things get like the characters become way more tropey and way more like inappropriate and they're making jokes out of these characters right right, right. well Even- like uh when you were when
1: we were on the uh the initial chat where you were looking for you're inviting people who hadn't seen this movie if they wanted to do the podcast. And I piped in and was like, I haven't seen it. And then immediately a friend who's of the same age sort of was like, how is that possible? <laughs> and, the, and my answer was, cause I was busy watching Zapped 15 times. <laughs>
3: Which I oh man, guarantee... you got Scott Baio'd.
1: <laughs> <Amazing. laughs> you know, was like a friend in, with a rec room had a VHS copy, and like you know, I, that is a much less sophisticated movie, but was wouldn't have been was you know riding on the this movie's coattails and and a few others like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. um I was just going to say before you said that, just so I can get it off my my brain before I forget, like what I what I was kind of impressed into is just like you get that you get it's a he's a very small character in the movie, but Forrest Whitaker's character, you know, uh, never gets played as like the black stereotype. Like he doesn't get much of a story either, mm-hmm. but there, there's no story of like he's just a guy at the school. He could have you could have easily cast that character as any ethnicity. Yeah. And it wouldn't have made a difference. And you could yeah. argue that that's a good or a bad thing. But you know, I think,
3: well, sorry, sorry to interrupt on that. Like, sorry, continue. No, no, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is that his storyline really is just a set-up payoff. It's a payoff in two ways. One, it introduces him as both a football star and that he has like that classy car. And then it pays off in terms of Spicoli takes his younger brother, or whatever, for a joyride crashes the car and then uses that for motivation of saying you know i'm going to solve the situation vandalizes the car to make it think that the rival school was responsible for it making them win to win the game although you know we don't get to see much of Forrest Whitaker except for maybe three scenes yeah you know i i wish that he could have been involved maybe a little bit more but then again it just speaks to how much of an ensemble this movie really is you can't pay attention to all the characters and all the like skits scenarios that goes on.
0: No. And it's crazy for the amount of careers it launches. You've got Forest Whitaker, you've got you know, the, the main cast uh but not only the main cast uh but you also get like Eric Stoltz. Um Yeah, I saw his name uh, in and, the credits. And, laughed and, out and, loud. and Anthony Anthony Edwards. Um Nicholas Nicholas Cage. In a blink and you miss it cameo. Blink, <sighs> yeah.
3: It's but, like I, I I saw I saw him that one scene I'm like there he is. But that's because
0: they all they all auditioned for the movie and, and Amy Heckerling fell in love with all of them and they're like, how do we put them in the movie somewhere? You know? Uh, like same as I think, I think Forth Whitaker came in and auditioned for uh, Spicoli as well. Can you imagine that audition tape? Whoa. Uh, but they're like, he was like this young, very sensitive guy and him playing up like the jock was was very out of character for him but uh but, but they convinced him he could do it. he didn't think he could do the character,
3: and <laughs> he did he did it well.
0: yeah, he's great, for, well he's got the, he's got the right physical uh, appearance for it, right? He's just a, a delicate soul underneath it all. yeah
3: I mean, speaking of delicate souls, it's just like you I didn't realize Jennifer Jason Lee was in this movie, and she is a revelation. oh my God. She is so bloody good in this how I, How old is she in this movie? How in old is life. her
0: character? How old was no, she? No, in 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 real life. I'll look up. She? I'll look up how old she when she was born. Um, but here's the thing: they ca- I think she is like they cast her on purpose to be like the baby face because they wanted you when the sex scenes were happening to go, oh, like I feel a bit like the purpose, like heckling wanted someone like her so that you would feel uncomfortable. And oh, you well, would, mission and, accomplished. But but also you would just – you would want to protect her. She – looked. she's born in 62, so she would have been – Yeah, so you
3: would have been 20 when it was released. Right. So like let's say 19 when it was filmed.
0: Old enough to be photographed naked. Um, that said, to that point, um, on the Criterion Edition, I doubt it – I'd, I'd be very shocked if it was on the version you saw, Mike, but in the scene where she – Gets pregnant with the guy, the mm-hmm. guy that, that becomes a giant. Uh, Robert Romanus. Yeah. I think did that's you, the actor. Yeah. Did you get a dick shot? Nope. Mark, and I got I did. a dick shot. I got <laughs> the dick shot. <laughs> the criteria, the, the original, because Amy Heckerling's original rule for that movie was that. Uh, the nudity had to go both ways. If the right. broads came, if the broads came off, the pants had to go down, and so she shot the males like getting naked too. But of course, when they went to release it, the studio's like, "You've made pornography. We're going to get an X rating, right? If you, if you don't cut the penises out, breasts were fine, obviously, because, of course, um, because men run studios. But uh, the penises had to go, and so and of course, Jennifer Jason Lee of all the cast was infuriated by that. Um, and, but they were, you know, they, their hands were forced and they couldn't release the movie. They didn't make the cut, but they they insisted when Criterion picked it up to re-release it, that those shots go back in. The shots are still in the movie. They just blew them up and reframed them. Right. They they insisted for the Criterion release that it get get put back for the first Mm -hmm. time ever in its original, uh, in original thing. So it gets restored to the original (laughs) point, which was
3: that. All nudity has
0: to be in there. of the girls have to be naked too,
3: which is one, I applaud Amy for having that perspective because that is the right perspective. And two, studio and audiences are idiots.
0: <laughs> well, you got to rem- remember, it's 1982, and it is they are I'm trying the to make. How a-
3: you get to see in mainstream movies?
0: Yeah, but they're trying to make a teen comedy. And it's like outside of European cinema, there wasn't a lot of penises in mainstream movies. So it's like, I, yeah. I, get, I get the censor's points. And I don't agree yep. with it, but I understand, I completely understand the point of view. And it's like, again, it's like, you know, you've got a, a female director directing from the female gaze, which is like show the penis, you know, and even just the way the sex scenes are done. Like the first time she has sex in that baseball dugout, like I it, felt it, uncomfortable
3: you know, watching that.
0: Well, it cuts to a shot of like that—the light, like what she's looking at, and, and the I,
3: graffiti, yeah. and
0: yeah, just little details like that. Which is like she's—it's not overly stylized. It's not—it's not she—it's not, she, not made to make her look uncomfortable. Like she's not enjoying it. They don't do anything like that. They don't like what what what's I it's love very like, matter
3: of fact. Yeah. Which is, but that's yeah.
0: great. Like, like, the, here's the thing about that I think is is hugely successful for the movie, despite any any flaws it might have, is especially when you look at her character, right? This movie is about, uh, you know, this young innocent girl who, and it's focused on her, her inexperience, but she wants to like sexually explore, you know, and the movie doesn't treat her as, um, you know, a victim. It doesn't treat her as a slut. You know, it just shows what's going on. Like, we don't even get the cliched scene of her discovering she's pregnant, you know, on the piece. Right. You know, it's just, it just her going up and telling the guy, right? So you, we don't get that moment of, like, her debating what to do or not. Like, this movie is far more progressive even than Juno, which comes out 30 years later. You know, that movie does have moments of judgment. It does have moment all those cliche things, right? Like, this movie it's shockingly refreshing for a movie that was made in night that came out in 1982 to, to I was really, I was convinced that this, that scene
1: of uh, her getting, finally getting a lift from judge Reinhold to the clinic was going to turn into the part of the movie where he talks her out of it or something. So I I was, I really, that's where I thought, Oh, this is where the movie really shows how dated it is. And I was, I couldn't believe like, not only did we not see the scene of her discovering that she, was pregnant. Not, not only was that not framed as like, well, that's what you get for fooling around by the time she's sharing that information. She's also got the clinical already lined up. Like there's so much there's so there's such an interesting uh, like mismatch between the fact that we've got like these you know, you very young looking people, but it's like, it's 1982. Everyone's acting 30 years older than, than, than they should be like, and the guy who plays the ticket scalper, he's literally acting like a 55 year old, like bookie or like scalper. Like it's, it's, it's just a different, it's a, I feel like like being a teenager was different then you were on your own more. I you think people were,
0: had, yeah, people were definitely you're solving your be, own problems a lot more. Well, last, the last key kids, right. It's like people were yeah. more, I mean, the, the actors are older than teenagers. Sure. Were. Yeah. So it's there's not, that, but I think actor, you know, kids were more, had to be more responsible, had to just kind of deal with their own shit. They were on their own, you know, and this movie, like, again, doesn't show any adults there to help with the kids you don't you don't get the scene, especially with jennifer jason lee telling her parents that she's pregnant and, and how they respond right
3: yeah they're gone for the entire movie where are they for the entire school year we just don't <laughs> see them like the movie's not about that. it's about kids right i know it's about kids i know it's about kids but there's uh like all the scenes whenever they're in the house the parents are just not there um, the first time i think it's when she comes back and the, the, the roses are from the guy that she lost her virginity to. And she asked her brother to put the, uh, the flowers in the car. It's like, have mom and dad seen this? Have they come home? It's like, nope. And then whenever she brings somebody else over, they're on vacation, they're away. And th- I mean, that's totally fine. You don't need to have the parental figures in the house. It's just more of, there's not even a, an instance, um, a, a sense at all. Of just it's it's just a, a parent free world if that makes but sense. But and I yes. think
0: it's not inaccurate to how that era was. I think parents weren't around as much. They weren't there was no helicopter parents to where they are now. You know, it's like yeah. they just kind of let kids do their thing and because the adults wanted to do their own thing too. You know? Yeah. yeah. I
1: involved. mean, I I have I have a friend who uh
0: she when she talks about like, you
1: know. At what age you're allowed to do what on your own? She talks about remembering riding like Toronto public transit at an age where, in order to be to to get the back door of the bus to open, her and her and her friend had to stand on the step together <laughs> to be heavy enough to make the back doors open. Alone on the TTC, that's uh, a local reference. <laughs> that was not <laughs> not happening anymore. Definitely. Um. Yeah, what a wild movie.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And Heckerman, it's Hecarim's first. She was 27 when she made it.
3: Whoa. And what am I doing with my life? I'm 27 turning 28. And it's like, I mean, I'm on my own path. I know that. But it's just, <laughs> man, I wish I had this kind of perspective in my youth in a way. And to you know, have this kind of insight to you know, show you, this kind of authenticity.
0: If you want that to depress you, Cameron Crowe is 22 when he writes this movie.
3: No. <laughs> Why do you even make me feel worse than I should be?
0: <laughs> and when he wrote the book, he he, um or maybe he was He's twenty three when a he wrote the book. For... Well, he was I, a journalist. He was, so he was a already, journalist already a Roll- Rolling Stone. It's just yeah. he. Well, he was a child prodigy, right? Uh, like, exactly. Almost, almost Famous is you know his autobiography and another way.
3: black hole of mine, which I finally picked up. Oh, you haven't seen Almost
0: I... Famous? No, oh. I have not. Oh well, we should do that too. But anyway, but. So he was, yeah, he was a, a teenage like Rolling Stone reporter. And he he because he didn't actually finish high, I think he did correspondence high school. He actually, to write this book, he when he was like 20 or 21, he lived undercover in high schools to get like information. And he like dumpster dove. And and cause on the last day of school, just I mean, I remember doing this too. Like everyone emptied their lockers and threw all their shit in the dumpster, right? And he and so he went he went from like high school to high school to high school on the last day of school and just went through the dumpsters and collected all this shit. And he says a lot of that ended up in the book, just like letters people wrote to each other. They threw out all this like gold uh, notes that were passed people uh, he
3: found in lockers. Which to me is just a fascinating aspect of high school culture, where it's just what do you really expose of yourself vulnerably in a way that you just toss away at the end of the year. How much of yourself do you really it's like all these handwritten notes, all these things, all these mementos, how much of it do you actually keep and how much of it do you just trash? I mean, heck, I remember just you know, last week of school clearing out my locker. I didn't really have a lot of personal affects, but it was just, you know, all those memories. There, there are like a few school assignments that I'll keep here and there, but.
0: You just want to be free of it. I think it's just that, that yeah. uh, it's, a, it's something with the passage of, but especially once everyone else is doing it, if you don't do it, then you're one of the, un- yeah. you're not one of the crowd. Did you guys have any like last day of school rituals when you were in high school?
3: Like the only ritual I had was probably just going to a movie, like, like the the night that we ended everything. So like the, the, there, there are just many times where I went with friends, just like, um, there was one year I remember last day of exams. Um, me and my best friend, we went to go see "You Don't Mess with the Zohan" at our local movie theater over here. We we had a great time, but otherwise, like in school rituals, no, it was really just grade twelve. We had prank, we had prank a few times for some reason. I don't know why. It was not really a good prank in the end. We
0: also had exams too.
3: You never see like
0: because it's always like there's the last day of school and then there's like a couple of days, and they, but then. Like the last day of classes, but then there's exams, right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Where where there was where they, the high school, I don't know if that was just a Canadian thing that we had, or if that's not something that was because that's just it. It's like it was like kind of anticlimactic because you kind of finish school, then you still had to go back and do like an exam here and an exam there for In like their, the next for the next. You week, got English,
3: right? you've got math, you've got biology, you've got a, you've got um, economics. Man, I re- I remember like going through high school with that and. It's like grade 12 always had theirs done first because they had all the other stuff to go through graduation, prom, all that stuff. And then like ele- – Our, was our like graduation was always
0: done in the fall though. Really? Yeah, it really? was the next fall for my high school. Really? Graduation was always the next fall.
3: You went to a really weird high school then. Ours was always in June. Don't you fucking shame my high school, Mark. You don't know anything about my high school. <laughs> you, 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 like, go watch any American movie. It, I'm like, aware. I
0: always thought – I'm like, that's bullshit. That's not how high school is. <laughs> my, my experience was the weird one. Was but your uh,
3: Halloween in February and your Valentine's Day in October? I don't know, man. I just everything that, backwards? <laughs> I assumed it was a
0: Canadian thing. It was my sole experience. So, of course – Because the world revolves around me, Mark, I assumed everyone else had the exact same experience I did and that movies were
3: lies. (laughs) (laughs) Movies are just fantasies projected by actors with no authenticity on the screen distributed by a giant corporation in order to make money. See, they don't understand my life.
0: I'm just saying that was my experience. And I thought it was weird when other people had like graduations at the end of the high school year. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. For reasons that were entirely based on my own experience. But now I'm I'm honestly learning this right now as we speak. I didn't know that other Canadians
3: didn't have. But that honestly fascinates me. I I, I just want to know the logistics of how that worked.
0: I never questioned it. I will now. I'm going to ask many questions to people going, hey, did you know this was weird, that we were weird? (laughs) Because I've never had this conversation before where I realized my high school graduation was three months later than it should have been.
3: Yeah. No, like for me, the weird thing was just um, getting the yearbook, you know, the following year, that was the only thing where I could say, you know, I, w- I would relate to that experience. We would get our yearbook for that right. year in like September, October.
0: Having been on yearbook committee, I can tell you it's just, that's more of a logistics thing because you want to cover up until the end of the year. So you yeah. can't, you can't hand out the yearbook until uh, until the year is finished. And, then, is always strange then, and then no one wants to work on it over the summer because you're on summer vacation. I'd yeah, say that's the only thing from high school I still have is a
1: couple of yearbooks.
3: Yeah. I mean, that, that always just fascinates me in high school movies where they always give out the yearbook at the end of the year for everybody to sign. It's like, wait, it's ready? Like, yeah, don't, that's, don't you see that bullshit like, the, for sure? Yeah. Right? i'll agree with you on that that's that's where we're the same we, we can agree on that experience on that fakeness um,
0: um we're gonna say the uh so it's interesting that this movie so this movie comes out this movie barely gets made right like it got snuck through the studio system like there was like a young executive at universal who loved it who saw the potential of it being a hit because it's, you know, again, Porky's is just coming out Porky's is like the smash hit of 1981 or the surprise hit. I should say probably wasn't the smash hit because you've got like, you know, I think Raiders comes out that year, right. And other amazing things. Uh, But it's, it's, they actually just put it into the studio calendar without telling anyone. And they just kind of snuck it through because the budget was low enough. (laughs) and and they didn't really pay attention to the fact that it was happening until it was shot so it was kind of done under the radar at universal but then of course once it's done they have to start showing it to the top brass or the other people who make decisions in marketing departments and nobody wants this movie released they're all like you're basically making porn uh it's one step away from that it should get an x rating like no they wanted to just dump it they wouldn't even give it i think they even like didn't allow theaters in the east coast to release it because they just wanted really? they just wanted to bury it and so they barely put it out to the point where it's like when it came out and hecker Lang, and crow they all they all like you know arranged to go out with it and then were shocked when two months later it was still in the theaters and realized that it was starting to grow and get like a cult following just by word of mouth because they put no effort into marketing this movie Wow,
3: and you can't really do that with a studio film anymore. It's like you either have to market it to shit, or you just throw it onto roll well, right now. No, you throw because it the streaming service.
0: Well, the kidding is, is now there's just so much content that if someone yeah. wants to bury something, it gets buried. Where back then, you know, there's only so many movies they had to put out, so they have to put it out in theaters to re- release, re- you know, get their money back. Uh, yeah, and and. And there's not, there's just not as many options of things to watch. So things like this could sneak through. This would not. You're right. This, would not happen today. You know. No. Uh, although this movie wouldn't get a hard time getting made today either,
3: right? No, I don't think it would. I think that this would have been an underground smash hit had, you know, something of this caliber been made today. There, like, there's still a lot of high school era movies. I'm sure. Uh, I'm not just talking like romantic comedies, like let's say, Kissing Booth on Netflix but rather um something like Booksmart you know yeah. even though it didn't do well financially you see the um you well, see like, the trickling down effects that
0: Olivia Wilde if you watch you got the Criterion Olivia yeah. Wilde does a, like a zoom uh interview oh, on okay. on the Criterion with uh with Heckerling and Crow and she she says the day before they started shooting Booksmart they screened fast times for the crew and cast
3: see that's smart that's smart like uh, it's the same thing with tarantino cool. just you know giving his you know actors a list of movies to watch to be like these are the characters or like this is what we're really trying to achieve this kind of feel we yeah. need you to be this kind of
2: yeah
0: i've done that kind of stuff with actors i also sometimes will make playlists for actors i'll make them like a, a music list to listen to just to to get into the head of kind of where i'm thinking of for stuff
3: but uh it's like on their character or just the tone of the movie
0: either sometimes both pt anderson does it too pt anderson screen network for everyone before magnolia you know it's not an uncommon common trick well it's just good to know it's just you know you need it's similar to making a lookbook right that the, the way a lot of just it's, it's a way to get tonally on the right page with people so you're all talking with the same things and having the same references right? right um definitely for sure like the dp and i before we make a movie we'll make like a hit list of all the different movies to watch um so there you, you do that kind of stuff i i screened a, a hitchcock movie before i shot my movie in the caymans uh and the producers didn't appreciate that cuz they didn't they thought that was the wrong tone and i'm like i had to have a big meeting after that
3: <laughs> wait, wait oh, yeah. which hitchcock
0: uh a couple it was more like a combination of things got gotcha. it it was more uh we uh, we were not on the same page but uh we got on the same page and all was well uh yeah what else about this movie there's so much uh we haven't even talked about sean penn so sean penn stayed so much in character he people like when you called his house you couldn't say hey sean phone you had to call him spicoli
3: wow damn that's like method acting on a different level that that's more like um tropic thunder with robert downey jr to staying in character till the dvd commentary it's just you love the character
0: it's so funny though with this it's like because you look at his character and it's so like like you like we mentioned bill and ted in the the pre-roll of this but it's like you think about it with that comes out in 85 i think bill and ted the first one you know without spicoli you don't get bill and ted like he oh yeah you look at him now and he's like oh he's the classic surfer dude character i'm like yeah but he almost kind of invented it too i think
1: yeah i mean he's kind of doing like you know like off the shelf surfer dude voice that like you know the 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 crappy improv troupe down the street is doing on a Tuesday night like, but yeah, he, he, it's, it's but it feels authentic
0: invented. here. But it feels authentic here. Like even there's that like that last scene, like the last proper scene of the movie in the convenience store where Jed Reinhold you know becomes a hero by throwing coffee in the guy's face. Like just that like one moment of him just counting change. And clearly stoned out of his fucking tree. You know, it's just, it's just something just authentic and simple about that. Where it's just like, he just, feel like you watch him and you're like, you must be stoned out of your mind <laughs> while you're watching. And you don't, you don't for a second believe he's like, it's almost like the moments with him, as much as they are tropey, like you feel like they're just documentary. You know, you're yeah. watching this actual, they just found this guy on the street and they're like, let's put you in a movie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Man, to think like without sean penn doing the surfer dude thing you might not have had um frank zappa's daughter moon do like valley girl and then having that become its own phenomenon where it just translates within the pop culture and just you know inserts itself so much that it becomes its own trope its own just characterization yeah it's so so weird the the only thing it's I wanted sure.
0: for this movie and that character was like I wanted that scene where Mr. Hand comes over to his house to just be longer.
3: Yeah. I want more. Just, just pontificate about the meaning of life and all these other deep things. I that would would've... watch
0: a whole movie with those two being like forced to hang out <laughs> with each other for a knife. For a night. 100% I would watch that.
3: Uh, just imagine like Mr. Hand just getting high with Spicoli and then just like getting on his level of understanding what life is all about. Seriously, hey guys,
1: I have to leave the podcast now. I need to go right and off, off Broadway, uh, two actor play set in that bedroom <laughs> of the two I mean, of them like, talking
0: for four hours about American history and life. And <laughs> it would be amazing. Like watching a, 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 a buddy comedy
3: with those two, 100% I'm in. <laughs> Spicolian well, hand. I think we've got we've got three people in the room. I mean, why not start creating? A- <laughs> I'm just saying. I I like, it would have it would have worked because it's
0: so fat. Watching those two, what's cool? Well, you've got what is it? What's the actor's name? Ray Waters? Is that
3: Ray the, Walston, uh, Ray Walston, uh, Yeah, Walston,
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's like like I know him from you know he was in the apartment. He's an old Billy Wilder guy. He was in um, the Sting. You know, and it's funny that he was in the apartment because like, Cameron Crowe is such a Billy Wilder aficionado. Like he even did that. He did a great book where he interviews him. Like him and Wilder just hung out off and on for a couple of years. It's called Conversations with Wilder. If you haven't read it, it's like
3: I need to opinion. read that. I started
0: going on a Billy Wilder binge. Like I need to see if you can find a copy. I it's, it was a very limited edition print. This book I happen to mm-hmm. have a copy because I, I found it on eBay. Um, but it's a hard book to come across. The library, the gotcha. library might have it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fantastic. Hmm. I ended up buying who is it? Chandler LeBec, uh, uh a Canadian Canadian director. She told me about the book. Uh, and at the time she did not have a credit card, so she couldn't get her own copy. So because she told me about the book, I found her a copy as well and, and gotcha gifted, gifted it to hey, her. This guy <laughs> was
3: in South Pacific and damn Yankees?
0: Damn. He's in everything. He's like classic Hollywood, right?
3: Oh, yeah. And Paint Your Wagon. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Well, great casting, you know? The, yeah. the most experienced. Like, he's kind of, in a weird way, like the name actor in the movie when, when they made the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Definitely. Cause none of them are, they tried to, you want to hear something funny. So when they cast Sean Penn, Sean Penn came in to read read for Spicoli. And they actually said, look, we have a lot of great actors that have come out to read Spicoli. Like Anthony Edwards and, and, and Eric Stoltz both read for it too. And that's how they ended up becoming his buds. Um, but they wanted, they wanted Sean Penn to play the Judge Reinhold character because they couldn't find someone for that character. And they were trying to convince him to play that part instead. And he's like, no, I only want to play Spicoli. And if I don't play that part, I won't be in the movie. (laughs) And so they ended up casting him. And Jed Reinhold got the part because he lived in the apartment, like, on the floor below Amy Heckerling. And she was good friends with his girlfriend. Man, L.A., (laughs)
3: Hollywood is is so weird sometimes. That's but here's wild. the thing: I feel like Judge Reinhold oh. really fits that role so well. He's got that very goofy older brother feel to him, in the same way of a of a right now Jason Segel. Kind of looks like Jason Segel. Oh
0: yeah, he's kind of a weird, a weird Jason Segel of his time. Yeah, uh, and later becomes kind of like almost like the Judge Judge Reinhold later becomes almost like an in joke, just like his casting because he, he he later on identifies as very daisy like slower persona where he talks kind of like this and very calm like he become he becomes tropey in and of himself later on in movies but in this yeah. point he's just playing a teen yeah um so i mean so what's amazing to me about this movie and i'd love to talk about it is is because it 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 is like this rare movie of its time like again it's just before you know john hughes comes in and becomes the king of like teen movies for for a while Uh, but it is like i think the first of its kind to to, you know become attuned to the emotional lives of teens right so it's got these scenes like when we talked about the the abortion stuff Uh, but then you also get you know these the big masturbation jokes and and those kind of things that you you get the scene we haven't talked about yet which is you know the the phoebe kate scene yeah, uh, and so I'm curious. And again, without like, this, you would not have American Pie. Oh, for sure. Like this is a precursor to that. But um, but it's interesting because at the time, again, it's like you know, the, the, I think the running joke was that the VHS copies of this At all the the rent, rental houses always had like that you know the the tape wear right around this section <laughs> of the, because kids would come
3: home and pause it, right? Yeah. Uh, I, Wait, do you really want me to break the ice on this one? Sure. I mean, it doesn't matter. Here, here's the question. So the question is this, yeah. because re- reading, you
0: know, some of the backstories behind it, Phoebe Cates was resident to do it. You know, Jennifer Jason Lee was fine doing her nudity in the film because she knew that the guy that was in her sex scene was going to have to go pantless as well. So you know phoebe case doesn't get that because she's playing the fantasy version right and and um, and and so hers is a different kind of thing and she you know argued against it didn't think it was necessary for the film but heckerling talked her into doing it uh and so it's an interesting conversation to have too because you know had it been a male director it'd be a very different thing to have a male director talking a young woman into doing, but here we have a young female director talking, a young female actor who probably wasn't that much difference in age. I'm sure Phoebe Cates is probably in her early twenties at this point. So maybe a yeah. couple of years younger than, than Heckerling, but you have that going on to make a scene about a male porn fantasy. Always masturbating. Open up the discussion. Other males. <laughs> um. <laughs>
3: You gotta go no I'm just kidding. Yeah, but i'm curious um, i mean no 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 i understand i understand and the thing is within pop culture it's just when you cheapen uh sorry what i'm saying is um the cheapening of the scene is because you know it gets clipped online and that's what gets shared same way as you know back in the vhs years where you would just go over that scene again and again same way that i'm sure a lot of males also did the same with basic instinct you know that little bit of tape wear just in that one scene and I don't know whether it's because of just the the idea of it, the fantasy of it, the kind of taboo-ness of it, that for one, is just like a scene of nudity in a movie where it's just like, oh my gosh, you get to see something and then it becomes the talk of everything. I mean... It does you know, feel like, like... Go ahead. Uh, no, what I was going to say is you know, as much as you see Phoebe Cates in this, you also see Jennifer Jason Lee, but I don't see a lot of people, you know, pinpointing to that kind of moment the same way as Phoebe Cates. So I don't know whether it's just because they, well, they're more like attracted to that one in the fantasy of it, or if it's just more of that's what stuck throughout pop culture and has now become either a running, I wouldn't say a running meme, like a meme in the way where it's just, it's so well known. It's so well known as like, you know, quoting Casablanca. Or mm. quoting, oh, other movies. I'm sure,
0: I'm it's sure is like that. She's uh, her 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 bare breasts in this movie are up there with quoting
3: Casablanca. <laughs> no, 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 but it's just in, no. But what I'm saying is, in terms of you know iconic nude scenes of you know within film that people have talked about, that's one of them. And it, for me, I do, I see that as a very interesting thing to study and to analyze. But it's just so weird to know how. Sorry, to see that that one is the one that's kind of stays throughout pop culture. If that makes but I
1: think, I think that it, what's interesting, you know, it really does stand out in, in the movie. All the other sex scenes are really awkward or, yeah, you know, they're not they, they're not uh, they're, they're not, not getting like they're not Which getting straight out ugly in a yeah. sort of unconsensual way. But they're I think they're very much going for like they're not romantic
3: yeah Yeah, it's very matter of
1: fact they're not what they had hoped it would be and then they talk it up better than it was when they're at work the next day and this scene is actually the pure fantasy it's shot it's the most beautiful cinematography in the whole movie (laughs) it's (laughs) the lighting and because it's a fantasy because it's so it's a fantasy that's the part that 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 sort of gets like copied and pasted from the movie into popular culture yeah i think partly because it's Just through that, that such a such a fantasy lens. I mean, also, I mean, you know,
0: people like what they like. (laughs) You know, it's just you know, without being too uh, judgmental on the film, I think it's doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing. It's there to get people to say, "Hey, you get to see breasts in this movie if you go see it." uh and it sells tickets that way it it, i mean and it's played as it is played as a joke it's not played for like 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 you were saying with jennifer jason lee's moment of like that teen awkwardness and when you see again it's like she they cast jennifer jason lee because she's got kind of a baby face at this point in her career and you're made to feel kind of like should i be watching this yeah definitely In in a way that's almost like it's good that they use nudity for her because you have to question how you feel about watching that right where with the Phoebe Cates one, she's played more as the sex pot, you know, the person who is more mature uh, and and more sexually experienced. And so you don't get those feelings with her. You know, she feels like yeah. someone that yeah. is old enough to see naked in a weird way. Um, and, and yeah. And in within the I mean, it is in the
1: within the brackets of the fantasy of that moment. She's, you know, got all kinds of agency she's doing it cause she wants to, which makes it all the more like galling to discover that behind the scenes story was quite the opposite, just pretty gross. Um, other thing interesting is that, that the, I, I mean, yes, it's sort of played for laughs in terms of the embarrassment of getting caught, but the, the, the thing the movie isn't doing that I think a lot of the teen sex comedies that came afterwards would do is they weren't playing uh Judge Reinhold's character masturbating as like a shorthand for him being like a loser or like beyond like pushed to some limit of sexual frustration. It wasn't sort of being there wasn't a there wasn't there wasn't an, a build an added up layer that. of
0: judgment of and look at this dirty boy's doing. No, you could it, and it doesn't come back to haunt him in any way either. Right, like you could arguably cut that scene out of the movie and it wouldn't affect the story. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is the problem? I think my problem with that scene in general is right. just that it's like it doesn't. It's not there otherwise, other than a laugh. And by today's standard, it's not nearly as funny as it was back then. I'm sure. And uh, just doesn't advance the story. I mean, what what I love the thing the bit I love about his storyline is how you know his the his arc is at the beginning is you know getting to working up the nerve to dump his girlfriend because it's his last year and he wants to sow his wild oats. And then of course she turns the tables and dumps him for the exact same reason. Yeah. Which is honestly such a fun turn. Yeah. It's, it's the only turn the movie can make without it being just cliche. Right. But, but it doesn't, but what it, what it, what it misses the opportunity, I think is, Like you could have that masturbation scene be showing that being a result of that in some way, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel connected to that. No. Yeah. I don't don't
3: think it is. Yeah. No, it just seems more matter of fact. It's just, he's home from work. He's frustrated. He says that, what, what was it? It's just like, he wants to be left alone or something, or I guess. It's just like a more matter of fact scene. And again, most, most of that movie is that they're more matter of fact, then it is. It's not like a lot of it is, you know, set up, build up, payoff. Yeah. But you so have it's other. Just more of, but you have these everybody's... other. Yeah. You go first. Sorry. You, you have
0: these other sexualized scenes that kind of work character wise and story wise. Like there's that scene in, in the cafeteria where they, she teaches, where Phoebe Cates teaches Jennifer Jason Lee how to give a blowjob with the school cafeteria's carrots.
3: With you all know. the boys looking on, which to me is just like, well, I mean, yeah, there are people that will and still do that. But it's just like it's authentic. It is part of what that's like. You can't just you know, have that scene play off and not get reactions like that as.
0: As they would have like, at that time, too. But that, that, yeah. that's but also what's great about that moment is that the girls are like a little embarrassed they got caught, but they're not mortified and they're not and they're not slut shamed in the movie, like nobody starts saying anything about them. Like they're, it's just, it's something they got caught doing and it's like, Oh God, that was embarrassing, but it's embarrassing for different reasons than other movies would do.
3: Right. Yeah. And, and to continue on that point, like when, um, what's his name? The, um, Robert Romanus character, when he doesn't take Jennifer Jason Lee to the, to the clinic to go to the abortion, like he gets called out on it very publicly as he should have. Yeah. You know, both on physically on the car, on the locker, and through the school gossip, which I mean, well, he's
0: it's shamed for it, you know. It's not, she's not shamed for having to go get an abortion. He's shamed for not like going half seas the way they agreed to. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and yet I
1: still feel like that was one of the things coming away from the movie. I felt like he got off too easy mm. because he got, you know, he got stuff written on his locker, but he never had, he never apologized. He never explained himself. He never, Seemed to, it, it, it it was a thing that he didn't, you know, hold up his side of things and then he never really answers for it. It just eventually, he has an argument, but that argument in the, in the, in the the boys change room, I mean, I actually, my memory of it, that was more about the fact that he quote unquote dated another guy's girl
0: than let her down in her time yeah. of need, right? But you know what? I mean, in a way, I kind of love, as, as much as, like, he, I like that he bears the brunt of it, not necessarily as much as he should have, to your point, but I also like that I that's, I don't believe that guy would have a change of heart or would have learned his lesson or cared, you know? It, the movie's kind of realistic in the sense that it's like, yeah, a guy like that's gonna not be affected by that, unfortunately, you know? It's not gonna, he's not gonna learn a universal lesson from this and become a better person necessarily. Right. Uh, so I think it's refreshing in the sense that they don't, like, they, they, these characters don't really go on these, ma- it's very slice of life, the movie, right? Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like these people are going through major changes. What I, I think the biggest arc you have in the movie is Jennifer Jason Leigh at the end saying, anyone can have sex, I want romance, you know? And then you right. get a great line from Phoebe Cates where she's like, we can't even get cable TV out here. <laughs> you want romance? You want romance?
3: Keep dreaming.
0: You know, so I think there's something really, you know, that's what I like about it too is like you get so many teen comedies coming out of this where every single character has like a big arcal shift and that's not on, that's not realistic or honest either. Right. Um, you know, shitty people don't necessarily get better uh, and vice versa. Yeah.
1: But yeah, well, I mean, I think that one of the big appeals of the movie at the time was, you know, people that age or a little bit, a little bit older, really feeling like they were seeing mm-hmm. bits of their life on the screen in a way that they hadn't before, and so the stuff about the movie that feels, you know, not like a movie, not like a polished, you know, save the cat or uh, you know, uh Sid Field structured screen uh, screenwriting um example is part of what is working about the movie especially for audiences then because they weren't used to seeing you know let's yeah talk, let's practice blow jobs on a carrot in the cafeteria like that'd be kind of mind-blowing or just watching like uh teenagers hanging out in the mall and the yeah. mall is the coolest place to be in town
0: yeah and in nineteen eighty two it's also just you know it's coming at the at the at the end of counterculture right
3: end of counterculture and into the reagan era eighties of consumerism and this and that, and you're seeing it now happen in something like stranger things season three um but you know having that kind of mall culture all the way up until let's say even mall rats like it, it's something where you, know, you see a certain culture at the, at like the instance of seeing it happen in real time rather than it's actually part of the culture. It's like, you, in a way you're seeing it happen. And as you know, at Mike, as you point out, it's they're seeing their lives reflected, reflected on screen in such a way.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess I was wondering, Hector's big, big contributions to the script was having a lot of it take place in the mall where before it wasn't, I don't know where it was, mm-hmm. but she's like, Put the action at the mall. Put put as much action as you can at the mall because that's where, where kids
3: congregate. No, which only makes sense. It's just if you're trying to be authentic, think like where are your subject's taking place. Where where does that kind of culture? Where does that kind of thing hang out? If it was you know going around Spicoli, it would have been around the mall or around the beach. That's where the action would have been. If it's something you know with um, Jennifer Jason Lee character, where's the action happening? It's either happening at the mall, at the home. Or where or wherever she's going with her date. That's really it. Yeah. Uh yeah, anything else
0: any, any other any other final thoughts on the movie? I, I was refreshingly surprised by how much I didn't think it was that dated for the time. Like again, I, I watched it and I'm like, oh, this feels more like a time capsule that isn't judging positively or negatively any one thing and so therefore it's allowed to be dated because it's it's kind of above being dated in a weird way because it's not being judgmental and not trying to like poke fun at things it's just observing yeah yeah and i was i was
1: like you said with the uh i was surprised at the balance because there's definitely a there's definitely like 80s teens 80s male teens being kind of predatory and gross in their way of just like talking about girls but it is there is some balance there like there is some you know perspective from 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 the women like them wanting them talk having similar conversations and they're they're different and they're but they're from their own perspective so it does feel like it's uh yeah i was surprised It was, I mean, I don't mean this as an insult at all, but it was less of a comedy than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be a capital K comedy. I thought it was going to be pratfalls and just really, I don't know, really crass, basically. (laughs) And there's a lot of stuff that's not, it's like, yes, it's totally going for laughs like throughout, but not in nearly the same way I was expecting.
0: Yeah, I think like the laughs would have been bigger probably the, the laughs that are there would have been bigger just because they would have been unexpected. But I think it was probably just one of those things where people were laughing at things that we wouldn't think to laugh at because it was just also like, I can't believe this is in a movie. Yeah. You know, we take for granted it because we, you know, there's nothing in this movie that a network television show wouldn't tackle now. Yeah. You know, it's so mainstream, all the conversations that are in this movie, but for 1982, like, studio movie it's kind of unheard of for them to be having the conversations they're having to the point of which the studio didn't want to put the fucking
3: movie (laughs) they thought it was they're like this is going to kill universal if we put this movie out yes this four and a half million dollar film is going to kill universal but just clearly the they're gonna go put out Dune in two years. No, but think about yeah, fair. But think about like this is you
0: know this is 1982 in America where the Bible Belt is in full thrust. It's like they can't put this movie. Yeah. Out. They they just didn't want to be crucified by you know the oncoming
3: Reagan era. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm definitely it, glad I saw it finally. Yeah. In not 1982 when Reagan was kind of strong. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun looking back at those 19 19- hey, – here's the thing. I wrote a uh, – sorry to get off topic, but um, I, I wrote a paper on like 1980s like Reaganite heroes, but in like there's the implicit kind of like muscular hero. There's the explicit one, so like the explicit one being like a, a Rambo 2, Rambo 3, Chuck Norris kind of thing. You have the um, implicit ones that kind of use their smarts and using like Reagan Reaganite economics – kind of like um the secret of my success and oh what was the other example i had but it it, it's just kind of weird to see how ray oh uh ferris bueller kind of like this yuppie cinema
0: it's kind of weird to see you gotta rewrite that and and include jennifer jason lee
3: stacy from this movie yeah (laughs) honestly (laughs) sorry i got way off topic on that but but it's, it's really sorry
0: that's okay. I was gonna say and, and I love too to bring it back like in those, you know, the very the very jokey um, you know, where are they now things that uh I don't I'm sure that's not the first time we see those in movies in this movie. But uh, uh, we saw
3: that in Animal House.
0: Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were also yeah. jokey there too. But you get like the one that um that is it, Matt Mark Mark and, and her share that they're dating now, but is it but they haven't even gone all the way like again? That just speaks to her progression, too. Where yeah, her character's arc was just like, I just want to have sex and get away. She kind of realizes again, so yeah, sex is easy, intimacy is hard.
3: Yeah,
0: uh, it's nice. It's like that's like the she she definitely has the biggest and
3: fullest arc in the entire movie, yeah, yeah. because honestly, I did. Right. Even having not seen this before, I did not realize that the film is mostly about her. I honestly didn't, and you know what? I'm glad that I went in not thinking that because because that actually surprised me, and I liked it that it was.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I, really I no, story. I didn't even know she was in the movie to be honest. So yeah, save be here.
3: <laughs>
0: well, I bet you if it, if I'm sure because she does have like if, when you listen to it, you hear Jennifer Jason Leigh's just got that that very specific cadence and and in, in her voice. But it's like, it's the kind of thing where I bet if her name wasn't in the credits off the top, like we didn't have like an opening credit roll with the actors' names, it would have required a double take to be like, is that Jennifer Jason Leigh? Mm-hmm. You know, you would have had to go to the internet to, to confirm it because it's enough that once you see a couple scenes and you're like, yes, that. You, but you wouldn't be surprised because this is one of her early, if not her first role. It's definitely one of her early roles. Yeah. Um, but she's tremendous in it.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of wish I knew beforehand that she was in it because seeing her kind of in a little mini of a mini renaissance over the last five, six years, I probably would have actually gone and seeked out this film because the marketing of this film, especially within the home media market, still just focuses on Sean Penn. Yeah. Even though, which, is,
0: yeah. which is a shame. Yeah. I'm just finishing up her Netflix series, Atypical, where we're one episode away from from completing it. Ah. Uh, And it's not my favorite show and it's not my favorite role of hers by any means, but it's interesting to
3: watch her playing the parent role now of kids in high school. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird when you also see Leah Thompson doing that when she's also been in those John Hughes, like John Hughes movies back then. Yeah. It's weird when you see the people that you grew up watching becoming the parents when they were the kids in these movies.
0: Well, often the casting of those people is on purpose, right? They, they cast yeah. them, so it's like you they bring that nostalgia with them. I know. Nona Ryder
1: in Stranger Things.
0: Yeah. The whole honestly, the whole casting himself. of adults in, uh, in Stranger <laughs> is, Things is literally... Matthew
3: Modine. Yeah. Um, oh, Sean Astin's casting. Sean Astin, yeah. But honestly, I feel like the difference with between something like a Stranger Things or something like an atypical... I, I, or, or sorry, not atypical, but just having that kind of thing bring in the nostalgia is that their characterizations actually work within it and it's not used as a stunt casting. Like exp- That exp- is not true for where Stranger where Things. That no, 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 is no, 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 no. But no, but it's like stunt casting in the way, like just to be stunt casting, if that makes sense. Like it's it, not stunt casting for the sake of it. Oh, sure. Stunt There's still casting. good actors. Yeah exactly it's but it's stun casting on stranger things 100 yeah. percent. come on it, okay it, what i'm saying is it is but it's not like it's good stun casting us. exactly, it's exactly. Good stunt that's casting. what i'm trying to say yes it's good stun casting sorry it's not Which is fine. just to I'll, do it it's doing it but it's great at doing it
0: yeah but it's, it's they're, they're, they know they're doing. It. They're not. They didn't accidentally
3: go. Oh, you yeah. know. I know they didn't accidentally do it. I know how this works. But it's just <laughs> it's not like they're doing it as a soulless thing. It's like you know what? We should bring them on. They would work for this. Not like we should just bring them on. People remember this. Mm.
0: <laughs> I think it's somewhere in um, between those.
3: Am I am I being too optimistic about this?
0: you are but it's okay but i i enjoy it and i think it works but i i guarantee you in the casting office for stranger things it's always like let's primarily aim for first casting someone of this era yeah. uh, i'm sure that's a it's a
3: huge yeah uh, wait till they bring on jeff cohen the the got the, the the fat kid from the goonies who is now a lawyer who's now fit and all that come
0: on <laughs> But I'm just saying, but it's like, but no, they're still only working. I mean, Sean Astin is still acting, right? He's still yeah. And
3: same with like Elijah Wood when he really wants to, or something like Winona Ryder when she really wants to, or Matthew Modine when he wants to. Yeah. But
0: uh, but I'm all for it. I have no problem with like good stunt casting, you know, when when the actors are, and it's just like, oh, that person deserves to work more. I'm glad they finally got a shot. Yeah. And And they get to do something maybe that they wouldn't normally get to do either. Yeah. Yeah, I have zero problems with it. I, I, I but I just, you know, I got to call it for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for joining. I'm sorry again, apologies that Jackie couldn't couldn't join us. She was being a good friend and helping another friend with an audition. But uh, I'll try to get her back on again for something else. But thank you, gents, for 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 watching, for giving me a chance to finally crack open the the, the Blu-ray Criterion that I picked up recently, and uh, and I was really enjoyed somewhat watching this with the two of you
3: (laughs) hopefully hopefully because we're all vaccinated and all that maybe we'll start doing these in person. but in person we'll see we'll see how the how the pendulum i I mostly don't
0: right now just because i'm still living out of my farm a lot yeah otherwise and and that makes sense otherwise i am doing Um, i am seeing people that are double vaxxed in uh, yeah who knows
3: May, maybe maybe invest in a projector and a sound system we'll just start doing them outside we'll do community podcasting <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> I, would I, be I, a great I, one for the neighbors to overhear
1: oh look there's the there's a sheet in the projector out back i bet they're watching <laughs> moana oh,
0: no yeah. <laughs> no it's it's fast times it's uh Oh, and the version with the penis in it. Well, that's that's Jeremy. That's our Jeremy guy. We know him. So Jeremy, he makes the he makes the dirty (laughs) movies that that kids can't talk about. (laughs) I still, my I I don't know if I'm going to tell one story before we go. So I, uh, as uh, as Mike will know, and I'm sure Mark knows too. I made a movie called Sex After Kids, and uh, and when the movie came out, our distributor made T-shirts. We uh, well, we did it for part of our, our crowd funding campaign, and of course, my son, who was I gotta say, must have been when the movie came out. Came out, he was probably five or six at the time, and desperately wanted a T-shirt from his dad's movie, right? So our our uh, our distributor Avi uh, got one kids shirt made for him, right? And of course, I give it to him. And the oh, next no. next day, he he wakes up and he's I'm getting him ready to go to school. We're walking him to school, and I'm like, and he's got the shirt on. I was like, oh, buddy, well you got to change the shirt before you go to school. He's like, no, I'm wearing it school. I was like, oh, <laughs> you 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 really can't wear that to school. <laughs> oh, he's no. like, why not? I was like, well, buddy, it's a little inappropriate. And he stops me and says, Daddy, sex is how babies are made. There's nothing nothing inappropriate about making babies. (laughs) I said, you know what? That is a great response. Let's go to school. Uh, Cut to six hours later, however long a school day is, uh, I picked him up from school, and he was wearing a sweater over top of his shirt that was not his. (laughs) And I asked him about it, and all he said was, the teacher kept on asking me if I was cold. (laughs) And eventually I just said yes cuz I was sick of her asking me. Bless bless that teacher for finding a covert way of covering his his, his shirt up.
3: Yeah. At least at, at least the teacher went about it in a very modicum way. Like like a very respectful.
0: Oh, she probably way. got it. She knew, she knew Oh my what god, yeah. And, yeah.
3: But <laughs> as soon as the t-shirt like...
1: as soon as the small t-shirt gets made with that on it, it's going to end up in school like it's
0: yeah. <laughs> And I can't lie. There was a part of pride in me and I'm like, he made a convincing argument.
3: <laughs> right. At 5, 6 years old, I got to respect that. Let I'm not going to lie. The consequences of that response.
0: It was not going to take a huge argument for me to let him wear that shirt to school. I just needed like something that I could justify to my wife when she came home <laughs> and I was like, "Why did you do that?" I would be like, "Well, honey, I was trying to respect his boundaries and who he is as an individual person."
3: I swear I'm and not. He gave using me my a good, kid. decent response. Oh yeah, what did he say? He gave me a five-page dissertation about yeah. why how sex with babies is actually a good yeah. thing.
0: I'm not just using my child as a billboard. I swear, but I kind of, sort of was a little bit. Uh, anyway, that's my. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's a lovely story to leave off on.
0: Yeah, it's a sex comedy, so you know you gotta bring yeah. it back around. Yeah, well, bring it th- back th- th- around, full circle. Thanks, gents. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf Podcasts on ThatShelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before.